Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I are joined by Jacob Nedia uh, to discuss um, this idea of rest um, in general. Uh, if you if you go back to episode 118, we talk about the busyness culture of our life and how that's infiltrated the church. And today we look at rest, um, not only in general, but also in the spiritual life. Um, resting within the contemplative life, resting in the divine, um, and how that sort of played out in the in all of our lives. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nedia. Uh, he's from Monk Drums, that's what you hear in the background. If you wanna learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is a place to go for that. drcrpod.com is a place to go to find other episodes. Um, dreamwalkerway.com is the place to find David's book Desolate Beauty, the book of light and shadow you can also pick up a Kindle version on Amazon and there's an American Sign Language version on YouTube just search Dreamwalker Way Uh, also a reminder that we have shifted to posting podcasts every other week so we'll be doing that for the remainder of 2023 if you enjoy what you're hearing please tell a friend word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rank Community Radio. Special guest, Jacob Nedia. I'm on the radio, Mexican radio. I'm on the Mexican radio. David Morrison. Hello, sir. There's an extra pop and crackle in your voice today, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) There was. (laughs) Um, Today, we are going to... So, two episodes ago. So, we've shifted to an every other week posting. So, about a month ago, two episodes ago, we talked... David and I talked about uh, busyness culture and... um, Revival in the church. Was that the second part of that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Revival template. In yeah, church, revival yeah. template. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so sort of this forced revival type thing. Our last episode, we talked about uh, listening prayer and sort of um, listening slash centering prayer and sort of how that plays into uh, spiritual growth. And today, um, sort of the the other side of that busyness culture, but this idea of rest, um, this idea of, of rest within listening prayer, within the contemplative life. And um, so we have a sort of the, the busyness side of it a few weeks back and then the antidote to it. So um, if you want to lead us off, David, and, and kind of talk about that idea of, of rest within, or maybe just rest in general, and then we'll sort of narrow it down towards a contemplative life. Yeah, well, our friend, uh, Mr. Nadia, quoted uh, Wall of Voodoo, so I will quote Talking Heads, <laughs> in which David Byrne says, I grew, up in a, I grew up in a home with the television always on. And so it's kind of, our whole culture is designed to have, to be constantly have noise and information. Um, I guess you can also call it an advertising culture. Mm. Uh, they're always wanting to reach you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could be in the straits of Alaska and Canada and you'll get a call and they'll say, they want to talk to you about your cars 
warranty expiry, <laughs> right? And I don't even have a car, man. I think they call the yeah the astronauts on the or the the Indian uh, rover on the moon. <laughs> we want to talk to you about your that thing. That thing could break down. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, and so. And, and, and spiritually speaking, usually we go to, we fall right into the busyness template or we just spiritualize it and turn it into a revival template. And, but there's, there's an, there's a third way called contemplation or, uh, or what the, uh, both the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures call rest, entering into the mm. rest. And so capital R E S T. Mm-hmm what it means to me. <laughs> so, um, sort of as you've approached, so you've kind of lived, I mean, both of you have lived both lives, but Jacob, you're, you've experienced the busyness culture, the, you know, working in warehouses and stuff like that um, from, from back in the day and then sort of mm-hmm. stepping into this idea of a, a contemplative lifestyle Mm-hmm. Um, how, how is that, this idea of rest or this, um, and not, e- not even necessarily in the spiritual sense, but just sort of before we jump into that, right. this sort of the bigger sense of just rest within your, your day-to-day life. Um, mm-hmm. cause we get one, you know, we get one signal from culture and then, you know, I think if people were more honest and listened to their body, mm-hmm. you know, our body sort of rails against this 24 seven, you know, go, go, go. So what's mm-hmm. been your experience with with rest or lack of rest or right. know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember first, um, first having, a, feeling a lot of guilt, feeling like, oh man, I'm, I need to be, I need to be working my ass off or otherwise I'm no good. Yeah. I, there's no value in me. Mm-hmm. And so that really, it really confronts self-esteem issues. Mm-hmm. Cause you start right away yeah. inward and when, as soon as you go, or in my experience, as soon as I went inward, I was like, man, I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. I, I'm on, I was only, I only felt value as much as I was working, you know, and, and I only, I only understood my value in a day's work and what I was worth, you know, in a day's wages that's interesting. I've never thought about that before in that sense, because like, you know, growing up, that was the message told, like I had a job at 16, mm-hmm. you know, I might've even had a job at 15 mm. and just that idea of like, you need to earn some shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And my, mine, I mean, going inward right away was hard, hard for me. It was very difficult. And so I, I took on as much uh, um, work as I could find. I took on work constantly and it was to mask. Really, it was, it was to help me go inward while masking, uh, my, a a bad and low Mm. self-worth. And man, it was, it was difficult. It was very difficult. I, I felt like I had to justify my being out here, even just like, why, why am I out here? And I still, to this day, can I can go right to that place if I'm not careful. It's easy to fall back into that pattern of, you know, seeing how what did I accomplish, how much did I, how much did I earn, or you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what what 
what changes do I bring? Just measuring my value by what I create, uh, you know, even in friendships, am I, um, am I, am I a, a contributor to this relationship? Mm -hmm. Always, always. And then I, I can find myself being someone who never says no ever mm -hmm. can say no and it's like god dang that's terrible yeah that's a dangerous i saw or can that. be a dangerous i saw path. that coming out here contemplative life just it it's like a magnifying glass on everything you've done and when you really do it when you really take up the contemplative uh practices and disciplines oh man you're like and on top of that we were reading i was reading a lot of thomas merton and thomas merton is relentless the guy just He's like a, he's like a, a ninja, you know, teacher. And when you stand up, he sweeps your leg out from under you and you're like, oh, I can't stand up. You, you know, he's just yeah. constantly slapping you in the back of the head in class. <laughs> and so I was getting like, my, pay attention. Yeah, big time. And old school Zen masters. He's a Zen master. Yeah, he wrote like 20 letters a day. God, it's like, Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> he he was he was a force and yeah. so when when you read that you're confronted by that and he won't let you off the hook you know when you when you read merton it's like merton appears in front of you like master splinter <laughs> and he just, smoke, the smoke and he doesn't <laughs> let you off, off the hook yeah. it, it, and that was hard for me that was really hard for me so i i uh i took up bird watching i took up um carpentry i took up things to kind of that were work but not work you know mm -hmm. that were like uh, i'm doing something because it was just too much and i i it points it pointed me back to maybe early my early youth when i couldn't say no to people and it, i realized man i i wasn't i wasn't very healthy as far as going into friendships i couldn't say no to people because I felt like I had to be of some service to the friendship, you know, mm -hmm. to the relationship. And it felt, so, it felt uh, almost an unhealthy obligation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's a lot of fun. At the same time, I was a young guy, and it's a lot of fun to sit when friends are like, here, drink this, smoke this, have this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's like, all right. It's all fun yeah. games until the next thing you know, you're the main distributor of weed in the Northeast region. <laughs> that's And that's what happened. And so, yeah, I started... I started working right away when I should have been in like uh, eighth grade. I was working like that and illegally, you know, back then, back then, you know, before. Yeah, you can go New into Mexico. a legal business now. Yeah. Before New Mexico. Not in Texas. Slang. You can slang that shit legally now. It was, was it your boss, Walter White or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And so I had a, I had a street value. You know, mm -hmm. I had value out there. I was, mm -hmm. I was the dude, you know? And then once I got married, it was like, what's your, what's your value? So I found myself working like 70 hours a week, man, mm -hmm. just killing myself. Then, you know, just completely burned out, mm -hmm. came out here and had to save my marriage, save my life. Uh, literally our house burned down. So, I mean, we had to, we came out here um, and took up the contemplative practices on a whole, on a level I didn't know existed, man. It was, I, I felt like I threw my shoe over the fence on that one. Cause it was like all my life, I guess I had been a, a reflective type person, a, a deep, you know, thinker or whatever, but 
this was like, oh man, you bit off more than you could chew. You can get your ass whooped out here now. And it was, it was intimidating. Mm -hmm. It was very intimidating. Um, and I know we've talked about your transition a lot, but I don't know if we've talked about it necessarily in the, this aspect of arrest, but sort of going from being a full-time teacher, being a full-time pastor, and then, yeah. you know, shifting gears to, to coming out here. Um, and not that it all happened at once, right? It, it's, it's been a grad or maybe not gradual, maybe that's not the right word, but evolved, but sort of what, what's been your, your relationship with that shifting from the busyness life to, to, you know, just general rest and, yeah. and, um, and we'll get into the sort of the spiritual side of this in a bit, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your, your relationship with the rest. Yeah, I do remember, I do remember when I was in the thick of it, living on the east side in the 79936. Uh, <laughs> three, six, three, six, bro. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'll tell you that story later. Some guy kept telling me he was from the three, six. Oh, no. I was like, what does that mean? I was like, is that six. east, west, northeast? It's like three, six, you know. I was like, I have no idea. I was like, I know no, three, six I mafia, but that's a rap group in the south yeah. that has nothing right. to do with El Paso. It's yeah, just a weird thing. To make. Any, anyways. I mean, we'll make an identity of anything. Apparently. We? apparently. My zip code. That's my identity now. Do it on my eyelids. <laughs> and that's what he said. He actually said he's like, you know, seven nine nine three six. I was like, I have no idea. What that you mean is. sprawling suburbia? It's <laughs> like I'm. I live in Chaparral. I grew up in Cruces, man. I don't know. And so I asked Dave. I was like, Is this a thing? Yep. He's like, No, that guy just made it up. <laughs> I was like, Okay, I feel better. So, anyway, yeah. So, so when I was in the thick the of it all, working, you know, over forty hours a week as a teacher, working twenty to thirty, probably. Yeah. As a pastor, uh, I remember and tra- and maintaining a a spiritual prayer life. Mm-hmm. That, so I did see it as an ad- I had an adversarial relationship with the busyness template. I felt that ministry. Oh, so you didn't feel connected to it at the time. I, I felt that ministry was an encroachment on my relationship with God. Mm. I always felt that. Okay. Way. Really. Uh, yeah, I thought that I came later. To, That's interesting. I used to be fond of quoting Mark Twain, who would say, uh, uh, don't let uh, education get in the way of learning. That was one of his. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I would say, yeah, don't let ministry get in the mm. way of your intimacy with God. Yeah. And so that was. So you, you had that early on? In my 20s. Even. Wow. Yeah. So uh-huh. I saw it as a. And I would talk to, to your. I remember so much about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> your pops. <laughs> And when we started the church in 96, 95, somewhere around there, uh, I remember having conversations with, with uh, Mr. Ernesto, who I called Neto. Mm-hmm. Nobody else called him that. Only mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Neto Neria. Uh, about that. And I remember telling him on the phone, I, I, would, I would talk to him because I was in the 3-6 and he was at the Chaparral. <laughs> It's a long drive. It's a, big, it's a big commitment, baby. <laughs> but I remember complaining to him, telling him that I felt like uh, there was a great temptation going on in, in the center of my heart. Uh, what will take the altar of my of my life? Mm. And I told him, uh, I remember telling him, if, if there was a, a woman or a group of women that were actively trying to seduce me, which has never happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me neither. Never me happened. neither, brother. <laughs> Uh, I think I think the biography of my spiritual, I mean, of my romantical life would be: Have you heard about the lonesome loser uh, from the Little River Band? Uh, 
and and being the lonesome loser was by my own <laughs> choice, wrong choices. So anyway, uh, but I remember telling him, yeah, if there was an overt sexual kind of seducing going on, that would be easier to deal with mm-hmm. than the spiritual seduction of wanting to be a success in ministry, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, intimacy with God and intimacy with my own soul. Mm-hmm. And so that was a struggle in my twenties. But I do remember one time because was, because in your twenties you wanted to be successful in oh, ministry. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah I was trained in ministry to be successful in what they called the church growth movement. Right. That was the yeah. cutting edge at the time. Mm-hmm. How to make how to how to make a mega church. That's yep. what I was trained to do. You mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. uh, we were we was on our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I do remember one afternoon I, I kind of collapsed on the couch for a nap I was just lying there on the couch and uh and I and I heard God speak to me and he said you know uh, I want to give you permission you don't have to run for office anymore mm, and man. I just started crying and this <sighs> exhaustion just kind of fell off me <laughs> and I was like yeah hell yeah how old were you do you remember uh probably early 30s yeah at that point you know uh so, Before Anna came along, so and you'd been hustling the the ministry game, so to speak, oh, pretty yeah. pretty hard at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, we were for I was between years. meetings. Yeah. So we, I had yeah. you know, so I think I've mentioned it before. You know, get up at four in the morning on Sunday, uh, pray, yeah. study, put together a sermon, uh, and then we would unpack all our stuff for the church to go meet at, at the school, hmm. and uh, do the service, unpack everything. Then go meet with people for lunch. Yeah. Then collapse in the middle of the afternoon for a nap, and then get ready for a, a six o'clock prayer meeting at night. Jesus. Go up to <laughs> nine o'clock or so. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So it was between all that. Yeah, you don't have to run for office anymore. Wow. And that's that's not just the busyness. That's also being on. Mm-hmm. You know, someone asked me recently, "How do you? What, you know, you live in community. You've done it for twenty years." Uh, and he asked me. Uh, uh, do you feel like you're always on? You, you have to be on because you live with the people that you, uh, yeah. you minister to. Right. <laughs> and I told him, no, it's the opposite. It's been the opposite problem. Yeah. Uh, mothers have had to come up to me and say, you know, you, can you watch your jokes and your language? <laughs> I'm trying to raise some respectable young men. <laughs> and can you, uh, you know, just tone it back? Well, because I was to myself, you know. Hmm. Which yeah, is that, basically corrupt and uh, perverted. And, <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's one. If, if 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 any way I had to describe you, it would never be right. that you're on. Right. Yeah, I don't. You know, I I haven't experienced because I've only known you since you've lived out here. Right. Right. Yeah. I never knew you in the church days, so to speak. Right. Yeah. As soon as we came out, like for example, uh, it was the early two thousands. I was a I'm a huge U2 fan. I don't know if you noticed that, but I was really into We did the, a whole episode on Bono. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the early 2000s, really, was, I had the U2 fever. Okay. Uh, the All That You Can't Leave Behind tour and, uh, and all that. And, and Bono had gotten in trouble with the American FCC because he said, uh, this is fucking awesome on TV. <laughs> and that was a big deal. And we say you that know, on the podcast at least Irish. once. I mean, he's Irish. Give yeah, me a break. That's yeah. a comma. Right. Use the F word as right. a comma uh, in that language because uh, they were forced to speak English. And so uh, so, so, someone from my old church who was very image driven came out here. Which like, was what his do you first think mistake. about and he said, uh, hey, uh, what did you think of uh, Bono? That's exactly how he sounded, by the way. 
what do you think about Bono using the F word? Like that was some sort of scandal. Right. And I, I just, and I realized I'm free. I don't have yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. run for office for you, motherfucker. So I said, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> and he was just so shocked and just kind of, he never came back. Well, what, what, well, you might not want, but when the, some bus or not bus, but van pulled up. I think it was Easter weekend. Oh, right yeah. I'm kind of Easter. ashamed of that. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. We don't, yeah, have, to re- we don't I, have to revisit that. Then. I think I said oh. something like, they said, what are you doing for Easter? Yeah, that's what it was. What, do you, what, yeah. are, your, what are your church plans for Easter? And, yeah. and I said, uh, we don't really believe in the resurrection. And we're going to wear our shirts that said Judas was right or something like that. And, Judas was And, gang. yeah, somebody audibly gasped in the back seat right. of the van. And, and they, I think they got, lo- they got lost and came out here. <laughs> Well, you're like, you're like, I've been hanging out with you too long. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you told yeah. Told me so, that story. I was like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then you add the pandemic of not really interacting with people. Yeah, it was just for, me, you, and Marsha so for uh, two years. If I wasn't ready for prime time then, <laughs> now I'm just, yeah, oh, shoot. out of control. So, okay, I mean, I mean, I think that, so that, I mean, that's, a, I think, a beautiful description of sort of this, you know, Hmm. busyness culture having to be on yeah you know going you know from 4 a.m to 10 p.m um you know it can happen in both lives right Mm -hmm. like you were quote unquote in the secular world working in Mm -hmm. warehouses Mm -hmm. and things of that nature you were in the quote unquote spiritual world running a church you know for me my learning of busyness culture just like having your demand on your time 24 7 was you know being being in the Navy, you know what I mean? And just whenever you get that phone call, you just go and do, mm. you go do work. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, um, and I can remember. So this need you, son. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can remember it wasn't. So this wasn't, this wasn't, these aren't my words, but I could relate to this experience. But there was a guy who's work. We were in a shipyard for, I don't know, five or six months. We're doing repairs. And he, he was, he was retired. So he worked at the shipyard, but he had been in the submarine force. And I can't remember, it probably doesn't matter, but he, he said he would pull up every day and park his car before he went down to get on the submarine for the days. This wasn't during deployment. It was just like regular day-to-day stuff. Hmm. And he said he would have to take a shot of whiskey, I think he said. Oh my God. It was either whiskey or vodka. I can't remember. <laughs> and, and cry oh. for four or five minutes oh my because, God. because he hated being on it for so much. Oh my God. And it was the most. Oh. So I did day drink, but not before I went down to work. And I didn't sit in the parking lot and cry. But when he shared wow. that story, I was like, oh, this guy is living the same life as I, or he has lived the life I live, I'm living right now. And it just, because it, it's 24 seven, you know what I mean? There's no, or that's not true. There's very little window for rest in that environment. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and right, I don't, right. I used to think it was unique to the, to the military. It's not unique to the military at all. It's, it's very much. Mm-hmm. American culture, a hundred percent, probably Western culture. Um, and so it's interesting to hear, like we've all <laughs> experienced yeah, it in yeah. our young lives, but from three totally different yeah. Yeah. areas. Right. Yeah. So having painted that picture, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I don't know if you want to lead off Jacob, but just sort of this idea of using the contemplative lifestyle, not necessarily as a way to check out, right? Like, I think that's what people, when people think like, oh, I'm spiritual, they're mm-hmm. thinking of someone trying to check out or in mainstream culture. I'm, I'm not talking about what's going on here at Desert Rain or right, things of that right. nature, but 
but being able to lean into the contemplative lifestyle as a as a way of life so it's not a mm-hmm. checkout and Ooh, as yeah. part of your of your rest right like this idea right leaning into god or leaning yeah. into the divine um so yeah. you know I, I, how have you experienced that yeah in in your in your your path well um I was, I, I've experienced healing like crazy in the contemplative disciplines. I, I always call it the disciplines because it's a, it's a total choice. And every, yeah. every day it's, it, it's so much like recovery work that, I mean, you just, you have to, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. If not, you just, it, it's actually easier to, to check out and go back to work after you've done mm. the contemplative life to say, you know what, I'm just going to go get a job because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. it's so much easier to just, to just get a job. And because once you get your feet, you, once you get like knee deep into the contemplative disciplines, you realize that there is no checking out. There mm. is no checking out. You're on, you're, um, you're under the microscope and you're terrified. I, I was terrified to be under that microscope. And but it, the, the microscope is my own, it's like, it's like my own self-observation. Like yeah. if all of a sudden I am, I'm highlighted and there's nowhere to hide mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from all my, all my shame, all my self-hatred, uh, nowhere to hide mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like you're desperate i was desperate to find a way to hide to find a way to get out of that uh that uh, out from under that microscope and i couldn't so i wanted i actually was like oh man how how am i going to how am i going to function out here well and um, i think that's an important thing to point out because i think an sort of a quote unquote outside microscope would actually be easier because yeah, the, exactly. Uh, a personal yeah, microscope. Sure. You're with yourself 24 seven. You can't lie. Yeah. You just can't lie to yourself, and you feel like, why? Why did my friends? Why are my friends? All of a sudden, you. I, I came to a place of going, whoa. Why are my friends even my friends? Why do I have friends? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't like mm-hmm. being with myself. Mm-hmm. You're you're doing silent prayer, silent meditation three times a day I would go into my closet and do that in, in my closet at the end of the day. And it, it was just, it was very hard, man, to, to face myself. Sometimes I'd go in there feeling a little bit, you know, up and, mm-hmm. and optimistic or whatever, depending on how my day went, I guess. But then most of the time it was like, man, I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. It was, that was almost my, my prayer. Your mantra. I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. <laughs> That's almost what I was, what I had. And my friends around me were like, Hey, you know, actually coming closer to me. Mm. And I was, I, it's just so bizarre, but that breaks your heart to see, to see when you take the mask off that people still like you and you're mm-hmm. like, what are the, what do they like? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I can't stand myself. Then they, you, you, I noticed them drawing closer to me as a friend being even, I, I noticed friendship going further than I ever understood it before. Mm-hmm. And then the healing starts to come so much healing uh, from bad relationships of the past um, that just, 
it's like uh, things just begin to these past stories or past uh, um, false narratives begin to fall off as as uh, you do the as I did that contemplative discipline. And yeah, it was it was a tough one for me. It was very tough to 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 stay because it was there was no checkout but it, it did feel like hey yeah go go get a job was gonna be easier right you know yeah, yeah. it did feel like that yeah because i mean because then we going back to your original point we're productive we're gaining wages mm-hmm. um you know we're putting something into the world quote unquote yeah. um gaining wages now that's a phrase i haven't heard in a long time <laughs> get that a money long, long time <laughs> gotta get that bag um well, and you know, and, and for me, that that's personally, that's one of that's what makes my friendship with you two guys special to me is I I don't have to put on that mask. Mm-hmm. I can just be where I'm at in that day, in that moment, and um, it's not always pretty, um, but it just you know, it is what and it is. and mm-hmm. and I feel you guys are the same way with me. You're able to be yourself. It's a safe space, mm-hmm. you know, to say what you need to say, or um, so on and so forth. Um, so, so David, sort of coming out of that that church life, and and, and actually, I liked what you're saying, running for office, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's in the flesh, <laughs> kissing baby, shaking babies, and kissing <laughs> hands. Um, or wait, no, reverse that. Yeah, you're not supposed uh, to shake babies. <laughs> and then you know, sort of coming into this uh, this community of desert rain, you don't have to be on all the time. How did how did that inform? Um, your spiritual practice and, and, and I guess early on in the transition and then sort of how, how it's informed it, you know, in 2023. It was, it was tough. It was just everything that Jacob just mentioned. I had to face myself, you know, the, Mm -hmm. uh, and the fear of, yeah, I, I'm busy. Therefore I am, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing. And so (laughs) that's a good one. uh, I'm using words. Therefore I am, (laughs) you know, I have ideas. Therefore I am. I'm thinking, (laughs) therefore I pay attention to me. So yeah, I I had to learn how to navigate, you know, there's only certain things you can do in a day. uh, If you're going to do a couple hours of sitting in silence, Mm. uh, you can only adjust that magazine stack (laughs) so many times in your room. Right. Uh, yeah. and so, you know, and I was, I was kind of hardcore at that time. I was in my thirties. So I had a, a, a blanket, a New Mexican woven blanket mm. that I would take out into the desert and just lie down on it under a mesquite and just, that was my cell. Yeah. 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 So to speak, I don't recommend mm. people doing that. <laughs> that was before cell phones too, before, <laughs> before they were in heavy use. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had to deal with my own inner critic, which was much worse than the outward critics, yeah. but they were there too. Mm-hmm. Other pastors were telling me, you're just being introverted. You're, you're just, uh, you're burnt <laughs> this is, out. This is just, just a phase. To, you're just burnt <laughs> out. Uh, because it was an invitation for them mm-hmm. and they didn't like, and yeah. I, you know, and I could be a jackass about it too. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of trying to defend myself kind of thing. And, uh, well, I, I similarly with when I quit drinking, most people are like, Oh, I'm, that's good. I'm glad for you because yeah. they knew who I was. But the people that were sort of borderline, they're like, "Oh well, that's good for you. I don't have a drinking problem." Right. Yeah, as soon as yeah. they, as soon as they <laughs> told me yeah. that, exactly. I was like, "I didn't say. I just yep. said I'm not drinking exactly. anymore." Yeah. But it's so it's you know so sometimes these transition when people close to you transition in a major way. Yeah. 
they have to yeah that's a big stuff. thing with the, the uh, you know young people sorting out their sexuality and mm. you know and, and a young woman says she's you know a lesbian and the, and her family tells her uh it's just a phase you'll go on it's like really <laughs> right <laughs> don't realize how damaging that right, is yeah. to them right. you know uh my parents didn't tell me it was a phase that i was a heterosexual <laughs> yeah it's, it's like girls <laughs> like this is just a phase our son's going through they chill out <laughs> yeah i don't remember my dad telling me that so it's kind of weird so yeah and i do remember uh i was i just looked it up uh, uh, I love reading in the bathtub. Nice. <laughs> it's uh, one of my things. Nice. And so, uh, with the Epsom salt, oh, <laughs> uh, Epsom salt, gotta do a, Epsom Dr. Salt. Teals. Yes, Maybe sir. we should get them to sponsor us. <laughs> hey, Dr. Teals, Teals, send right? us some. I don't like, think he's Dr. really a doctor, Teals. I don't think he holds a PhD. Well, it doesn't but... matter. Dr. Phil's not a doctor, <laughs> or and she, he, I don't know, <laughs> uh, he, he, he totes himself as one. <laughs> and so, at the time, yeah, so we had jets at the time, uh, Ooh, yeah, in our bathtub, dang. we had those, you know. That fancy, yeah, they, it burned out, but well, of course, yeah, they always do. <laughs> it burned out circa night, uh, 2009, something like that. Uh, and anyway, there was so I used there was a uh, I don't know if it's still around, but there was this thing called Leadership Journal, it was for mm. for clergy people, it was geared towards more professional, career oriented, mm-hmm. but I read it anyway. Yeah. And there was a, a fascinating story by a uh, a leader, a, a pastor, I, th- I think she's she's kind of a social experimenter now. Uh, Sally Morgenthaler was her name, and she wrote a, a large expose in that in that journal about how the ambition and the models of modern ministry actually trigger and perhaps even produce uh, neurotic behavior. Interesting. And, and so her husband, she and her husband were cutting edge. She was a cutting edge worship leader in the eighties, uh, with that contemporary style that's mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. old now. But at the time, it was, at the time, it was. And her husband was on his way, becoming a mega, you know, mega church pastor, and very ambitious, very busy, and um, and then it turned out that he was molesting the special needs child next door, wow. a child, and then between. So he so he was arrested for it, and mm-hmm. then between uh, his arrest and his court appearance, he was arrested again for exposing himself in public. And you know, oh, like he had posted bail, right? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. his church maintained his innocence, so of course, I'm sure, they course, paid yeah. for his bail. Yeah, yeah. And so, right. so she had to deal with this mm-hmm. with their kids, and yeah, and he went to prison, and and so her her thesis was that that driving ambition actually creates that neurotic. Uh, behavior and and so so i would cite that back to my <laughs> pastor friends <laughs> basically yeah. tell them you're on your way my friend <laughs> to having a complete collapse i'm not in the collapse you're in the collapse and then when i'd go right. secretly into my silence and my life the life that we we're building out here i was like i'm collapsing <laughs> <laughs> the world's falling i'm the losing world's my falling. mind what am i doing with my life yeah. i need to get a job uh you know that kind yeah. of thing and uh <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and so I would highly recommend look look that up. Uh, hmm. Certain types of I forgot the name of the title, but it was something like certain types of ministry uh, provoke mental illness or something like that. What? Well, and I would even argue, and this is coming more from the recovery angle, and I don't haven't done any fancy research like Miss Th- Thaler was it Thaler Morgan Thaler Morgan Thaler. Yeah, but I think. Um, 
when we're, and when I say we, I mean us as a society are trying to be, we're determined to be something, but it's not who we are. It's not in the core of who we are. So in your example would be a minister, right? Um, you know, in other contexts, maybe you're trying to be a lawyer because your parents wanted you to be a lawyer, but every, you know, every day you're taking a shot of whiskey and and crying before you go into your law firm. You know what I mean? Like, I I think trying to force yourself into whatever role it is, right. Whether it's a profession, um, you know, in, uh, whatever, it could be anything Mm -hmm. by putting up that fake front all the time, these neurotic behaviors, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and it, not that you're going to molest children No, yeah. in yeah. every example. I mean, I thought that in my thirties, I was like, oh, this kind of mystery turns people into <laughs> pedophiles. Uh, but no, yeah, it doesn't work yeah, that way. But if that's know, already latent there yeah, it and could sexualize your trauma basically, right. and you haven't dealt with that, then yeah. Yeah. And so it, it can also be in substance abuse. It can be in yeah, um, yeah, exactly. pornography. It can be with gambling. Gambling's become a big, a big one with how, um, legalized it has become in yeah. so many states uh, i mean it was a problem beforehand but the access to right, it is, is right, opening right. up um and so yeah that that neurotic behavior and you know i'm i'm being in recovery i'm confronted with my own neurotic stuff yeah very very constantly you know i, I but I, I have ways to pull myself out of it you know what i mean today we walked in and a piece of equipment was missing and I start, you know, I could, I could see myself spiraling into this angry, <laughs> angry fucking person. And then it's like, well, are you going to be angry on the podcast? Are you going to enjoy it? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you are saw you gonna, a choice. Yeah. 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 And Whereas so years ago, maybe not a choice. Exactly. Exactly. And so some of these neurotic behaviors, I think it, when you're in the middle of it, you actually don't have a choice. Right. right. It's so it's taken, it's overtaking you in such a way, you know, and Jacob was talking about healing where, leaning into the divine leaning into god and not just it's it's there it's action oriented it's not just about it like oh god save me come please save me you know what i mean it's it's deeper than that that. but um but today i had a choice you know what i mean and and by the time we had everything set up and you know it's like yeah let's let's have a good time let's have fun um yeah I, i do remember during that time Cause it looks like you're withdrawing from the world, mm. but wasn't there a, in the, uh, a word olam or something like that? Uh, hmm. that means rest in Hebrew. That means engaging the world through that uh. rest or something like that. But, uh, I remember, yes, early on sitting under a pine tree, just sitting still and this whole panoramic view I, I can't explain played out in my mind just in seconds but it was you know my whole life mm. and it was this uh, re- uh realization an insight into myself that uh that my ego is empowered my specific ego me personally because mm-hmm. everyone's ego is empowered by different things yeah, exactly so mine was empowered by rejection like I feel important when I get rejected. Oh, I see. It's yeah, the other, yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. empowered. It's not, the, it's not the fear of rejection. No, it's the right, right, right. right. And so, so I would socially set myself up into mm. situations where I would be rejected, so that I could feel 
empowered inside. That's amazing. It's kind of a twisted thing. Well. And uh But everyone's different in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the beauty to know what it is that yeah. drives you. I, th- I think another way to say it is I'm a middle child. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. It was it was uh middle child international day, but everyone forgot. Yeah, no one uh, noticed. It's it's actually happens every day, but no one acknowledges yeah. it. And so yeah, so this sense of and so then having a com a, a my true self, if you will, which is Christ, I, I define it as Christ within you, mm. having a conversation with this ego and, and being compassionate and saying hmm. to this almost bodyguard person saying, you know, I, I, I appreciate the work you've done. Mm-hmm. You've gotten us here, uh, but you don't need that rejection anymore to empower you. Mm. And then, And then the ego saying... Oh, that's great. That means we're going to finally get the respect we deserve. Mm. And then the true self say, no. <laughs> that's not the case either. <laughs> People will still reject you. It will still hurt. Yeah. You just don't need it to feed on it. You don't need it to be empowered anymore. And so that was a very, it took me, what, two minutes to describe it. All that went down in seconds. Yeah. And just realizing that and, and it shifted me, changed my personality somewhat and the way that I approach things. So that's, that's a result of contemplation. Well, it's interesting too. Cause I heard, um, someone say one time, they said, I want just enough ego so I don't walk into oncoming traffic. Hmm. Yeah. That's right. A good thing. And yeah. sort of like that, that bodyguard yeah. idea that you said that, that gets us through life. But when it, when it becomes the thing that navigates us through yeah. life, you know, that, that can be a dangerous, um, you have to have an ego to surrender that ego. And, and I've met people, young people throughout the years that they were never even given a healthy ego. Mm. They, they don't have a, an ego. And mm-hmm. so you have to do that work first. Yeah. So they have to be told you're, you're important. Yeah. You're significant. You're a valuable person because you're a person uh, you're loved. And so, and, and, and that work has to be done. And then, it is about you. You're special. You get a sticker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then once that gets established, they rip the sticker off. <laughs> call, call in Master Martin, <laughs> rip the sticker off and say, it's not about you. Right. Uh, you know, and, and do go the other. Well, and I, think, and I think it actually, at least from my experience, it's an ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah. So like for me, true. it's like that build up and break down and build up and it's break the down. the Celtic knot for sure. Yeah, it's been continuing, yeah. um, you know, for me. For sure, over the you know, for me it was probably a breakdown first because of this over ego, right? But there, you know, there there has been times where the buildup within the path has has needed to occur again. Yeah. But in a health, you know what I mean, sort of in a healthier way, in a more exactly um, a better defined way, probably from like from my perspective of what what is worthy and what is just you know not not important or no longer important to me. So, yeah. um, so. You you mentioned earlier, Jacob, about your your healing process, and so maybe you could speak a little bit about that with your wrestling with this idea of the ego, or you know, sort of what drives yeah. us day to day, and mm-hmm. and and what does that look like for you in twenty twenty three modern times? Um, <clears throat> that journey has been a lot like what David just mentioned about the uh, sticker. You get the sticker, and then. Master Merton comes and rips off the sticker. No more sticker. (laughs) Yeah. No sticker for you. (laughs) No sticker. It's not about you anymore. Never was. But we needed that to just get you on the journey. You've Mm got to do something with yourself. You got to stand up. 
But um, it's a lot like that. I um, overworked myself like crazy and then came here, had to find a real sense of a, a sense of uh, true worth, which was all grace. It's a grace mm-hmm. uh, that gives me value. Uh, God's it's a radical grace of God that gives us value. Uh, when I found that, oh man, I was, I was high for at least three years out here Mm -hmm. that carried me so far, so long. I was, I was really, uh, uh, psyched up about life. I was reading, uh, everything. I was on cloud nine a lot of the time, but then, um, then the sticker gets ripped off and I had to, I had to go back to work which I had been doing, you know, work all along out here, just keeping myself somewhat busy with, I mean, I mean, I, I'm a real physical person. So I'm a, I've always done physical labor and, you know, I've got an enormous family, so I've always had to work to pay bills and stuff. <laughs> but, um, but go, that was one of the major healing places was work, labor. And it, it was, it's one of the, huge lessons. I probably have never even spoken about this to anybody except my sons, but I've told my sons this lesson that I learned for years and little by little, they start seeing it now that they're all adults, but, uh, my daughter too. Um, but, uh, this, this was the, uh, Genesis teaching that really, uh, that really just, hit me like lightning man it was it was electric and it's uh when when god tells uh adam you know he expels him from the garden and he's going to curse adam forever mm-hmm. but he doesn't he curses the ground and then he tells adam now go you go work the ground um that labor that he was giving him to go work the ground, the ground of our being, you could take it to say that almost, but it was go work in the natural realm now to do what? To heal yourself, to heal yourself back to what God's not going to curse Adam. God loves mm-hmm. Adam. Right. God loves me. God's radical grace finds Adam. As soon as God decides throw Adam out of the garden, God's radical grace is there to catch Adam and says, cursed is the ground, right? You, mm-hmm, you could see mm-hmm. him almost wanting to curse Adam, pointing his finger at him, and then his finger drops, <laughs> and he's like, the ground, cursed is the ground. <laughs> and, you know, if that was me, she'd be like, you never spanked the boys enough. You got a woman. <laughs> well, he's a good boy. I love him. <laughs> He'll learn. <laughs> but I'm spanking the ground. I'm spanking the ground. And then he sends him off to go work because he knows this work will heal you. Now you can work the right way. Now that you've done this inward journey, now that you've done all this stuff and you, you know your value without anything attached, you know your value just uh, uh, warts and all. You know, you know that it is the grace of God that loves uh, completely who you are. Uh, the raw person, um, mask off, right? The mask is off. God loves this being. You found divine love in your life. Now go work the ground. And it built that, built, it, it, it's a healing, 
uh, source to be able to, to do work without searching for yourself in that work. But it, it kind of, it, it, it does this magic to you. And I, and I realized that's why the monks kept labor study. That's why they kept that. It was wisdom teaching from Genesis that, and I, I actually read that in way back then in the, in the, uh, in the Kabbalah, uh, that's how they, that's where I heard that teaching of, of go and work the ground. And I always told my boys that about work. My daughter, she's uh, going to school now. She's experiencing that and, and hearing those teachings again, come back to life in their life. Uh, it was a major healing for me, you know, to be able to work without searching for myself and uh, my self-worth in my work, mm. you know, and be able to work freely. And I've always told them, you know, what has been, what really has stolen the joy from our labor? Uh, it's slavery. Slavery stole the joy. Immediately after the Genesis, you get slavery you know you get wow. the stories of slavery mm -hmm. and i think you know though historically i don't know but uh mystically that teaching yeah. is so significant that that this world will still try and steal that labor the one healing place god gives you this world takes from you and says here that that work you just did is this valuable and they give you an exchange for money for that work mm -hmm. and say here that's how much that was worth and you're like no but it healed and it was a discipline that I learned out here to be able to tell myself no that's not what my work is worth my work my labor is worth my community my friendships my belonging oh man when I stole back my labor you couldn't touch me. You could not touch me, man. That was the end of the game. Game over. And it didn't matter where I worked. So then you'd see me singing and swinging a sledgehammer at stuff. You'd see me doing ridiculous stuff. And you're like, it's like 110. How's this guy out there? Well, I saw you break dancing on your roof one That's time, right. changing out a, That's right. a damn AC. That's the thing. That's <laughs> listening to opera. I yeah, lost I've, my goddamn mind. That's right. I listening have, to opera. I have been. I have listened to <laughs> opera at work on the and, roof. And you know who did that? Well, I, I read John O'Donohue at that yeah, time, and the guy right set me free on another level. He was like, "How come we only hear rock music at job sites? How come you never hear real music? How come?" And, it, and it's like, "What, dude? I mean, how come you never hear jazz? Is it? That's not the music of intellectuals. That's the music of humanity." Yeah, and it's yeah. like, "Dude, stop, O'Donohue." Don't say anything else. But yeah, that stuff, oh man, that made a new creature completely. I, you couldn't give me a job that would disappoint me because it wasn't. Uh, and, and in some cases, if, if I would receive too much for that job, I'd, I'd shock people because I'd say, yeah, you, you're overpaying me. And then they're like, oh, no, no, that's totally what it's worth. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> but... Who, who does that? Who's mm -hmm. at liberty to say, no, nah, you actually overpaid for that. It, all I did was break up some rocks. So, <laughs> you know, but my, it's because my, my pay was somewhere else. You know, I wasn't getting compensated with that money anymore. I was no longer, you couldn't buy my labor at that point. And that's some radical freedom. I, I've, and, and I've, man, it's going to take a lifetime to really teach my family that, but I, 
I've repeated that over and over and over about that story mm -hmm. and just constantly, you know, showing them where you can be set free to. Powerful. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's scary stuff. That's powerful as hell. I need to learn that. <laughs> well, <laughs> the monks had it. it. I mean, the monks had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they went off to work and, you Beach, know, yeah. work and uh, 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 do labor and study, right? Yeah. This is so powerful. So we're coming close to time. I don't know if there's anything left on, on your, your heart or mind, Mr. David. No, it's just a powerful, uh, the invitation in the book of Hebrews, there remains a rest. Just to use that as a mantra, you know, when you're feeling exhausted, when you're feeling what is your value in, in work, just let that speak to you. There remains a rest. Mm -hmm. There remains a rest. Sound you know it sounds hypnotic even just saying yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's a power. If, you know, if you use it as a mantra, it's a powerful mantra. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there is, um, there is a thing, physical rest, spiritual rest, um, allowing you know healing through that rest, and just you know seeing seeing what you know sort of your experience, seeing what comes out on the other end, and. And, and where you gain your freedoms, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and, um, you know, in a similar way when I, I no longer have to drink, you know, I, there was a point in my life where I thought I would always drink, you know, and when that, uh, eventually evaporated, um, there was a freedom in that, you know what I mean? Having, being able to take back your labor, there's a freedom in that. That's heavy. Um, your liver said, uh, I would tend to disagree with that. Statement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. My liver was definitely given out. Well, one of the beautiful, so this is totally a side note, but, um, my grandfather, uh, had Alzheimer's and towards the end of his life, he, he looked checked out. You could look in his eyes and, and he would look checked out and, and, uh, there was, a an opera singer he really liked and I downloaded it on my phone and, and would play it for him. And it was his, his eyes would light up again. It was, it was really, um. Really amazing. Enrico Caruso. Mm. And he, I played that shit for him and his eyes, oh, he would, it would like, remember. it would, yeah, it would like yeah, bring life back to his eyes. It was crazy. So anytime I think of, or anytime I hear opera music, I think about grandpa sitting in the kitchen mm. with, with just a few minutes, you know what I mean? Cause it, it would fade back away, but that initial two, three, maybe four songs, there would be this, yeah. this life, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, for no mistake of his own right like it's alzheimer's like yeah, it, it's it's right. you you don't you don't stop it or you don't block it or you know it just it happens and um so anyways yeah and thank you for it, that that memory it, it doesn't because i was just thinking about my i didn't have normal grandparents <laughs> uh, <laughs> my mother's dad i never met him he died mm -hmm. of liver cirrhosis uh it's the morrison klein morrison way uh at the time morrison out. and uh and my dad's dad uh, was a wanderer, and he just kind of—we don't even know—we we just the, the legend is he and his brother just showed up in this desert from we don't know where. He had a scar <laughs> across his chest that he claimed a, a riverboat ran him over. Whoa. He survived it, and so you know, and and he ended up uh, dying in Durango, Colorado, in a house fire. His little apartment caught on fire, and he died. Um, Damn. Days later, yeah, it's kind of. Morrison's, we don't play around with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> we die hard. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and you know, and there wasn't 
he wasn't he wasn't the type of grandpa that would give me a Werther's right, yeah, <laughs> sit yeah, down yeah. with me and pat you on the head. No, <laughs> but he did say one of the very few things he ever said to me, which was so bizarre. He said, when I was young, I went on a vision quest and you, you need to go on a vision quest. Mm. So it's a profound thing he said to me. Mm. And then my aunt, my mother's older sister told me that her dad, all his life really, he said, I really belonged in a monastery. Mm. I belonged uh, in that kind of a, a, a life, not the life I'm in. Uh, and so it's just, so let's, so it's these breadcrumbs of, of your life. Yeah. Uh, you know, a man I never met and one I barely met, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and so there was, you know, insight there. There was an invitation. There remains a rest, even, even in th those dysfunctional situations. Yeah. So, yeah. well, and I think too, you know, Jay, we've talked about individual healing, but there's, and this is what you're referring yeah, to. In ancestral my healing. Yeah. yeah. Generational healing yeah. where there, there's things that have happened in our past that yeah. we have nothing, nothing to do with. Right. But we get the opportunity today to heal that for our ancestors exactly. and for, for the past generation. And contemplative living does that. Mm -hmm. For practice sure. practice does that. You feel good? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Nettie, you feel good? Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, man. <laughs> That's, some good. That's some good stuff. That's some good. It's always always what am I a good do conversation. With the rest of my day, though. <laughs> now that I'm go sit in the closet. Yeah. Now that I go get in the closet. I used to have student. I used to show a film called Koyana Scotsi. Uh huh. It's a it's an arty film, you know, and it shows it basically shows life at the end of the 20th century in New York okay. City, and it shows people just aimlessly walking, not aimlessly, purposely walking yeah, to yeah. work, and, right. but just. And then, you know, it'll juxtapose that people walking down to the subways to hot dogs shooting through the machine. Right. And it's just like, and I would show that to my students. And, and I remember some of them walking out. How am I supposed to live the rest of my life after <laughs> exactly. seeing this? Exactly. No, no. The curtain's been, yeah. been dropped. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> Big and, the, and then the stoners would come up to me and say, you know, I, I found that movie and I, we watched it while stoned, you know, over the weekend. <laughs> of it was course. awesome. <laughs> of course. Yeah, Koyana Scotsi, which means crazy life, busy life, frenetic mm. life. It's a Hopi word and uh, by a, a filmmaker who was a monk at one mm. time named Godfrey Reggio. And so, uh, I don't know why I brought that up. No, that's, that's perfect. Awesome. Yeah. How am I supposed to live the rest of my yeah, life? That's, what that's, that's a good ending. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for joining us. Gracias. Thank you as always to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Much thanks, sir. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background with some monk drums. Mexican uh, radio. <laughs> if you want to pick up David's book, Please Desolate do. Beauty, The Book of Light and Shadow, dreamwalkaway.com. Or its you can, value is $16 USD. Or you could get it for $10 on Kindle. Oh, yeah, if you yeah. Feel, if you feel in such a, such inspired on Amazon. Or there's a, an American Sign Language version on YouTube for free. And soon to be an audiobook. We just, yeah, thank you, Danny, for reminding me. We just, he just completed editing uh, the audiobook. David and I are going to review it over the weekend. And um, as soon as we get our copyright um, from the U.S. government, so we're official, we'll be posting it on audible.com. Another, yeah, Johnny Law. <laughs> another, uh, another Amazon. So thank you for reminding me of that. Um, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>